Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the School for Dumb Women, the podcast where we investigate the things you're too proud to admit you know nothing about. I'm your host woman, special delivery from your ex-boyfriend, Hannah Varrell. With me is box of oddly shaped vegetables, Alexandra Haddo. I look like a bunch of carrots on this lockdown, Hannah. And care package from your granny, Carolina Donahue. At this point, I'm just talking lavender goods, Hannah. This week, we're finding out why the biggest and best things have to be written down in stout, why pretty things are never real, and our smart lesson will have you flourishing in the new world. Let's get on with the show. So, Alex, you're the smartest, sexiest, tallest and biggest lady in this episode, aren't you? I am, Caroline. I'm all of those things. I'm the, I'm all of the superlatives. And that's because my section this week is on the Guinness Book of World Records. Ah. An absolutely brilliant choice from you. I, the most brilliant idea for a section ever, I yes. think. And the most Guinnessy idea for a section ever, apart from when Caroline did Guinness. Guinness, yes, exactly. Well, um, I it came to me sort of like a dream. Uh, I was just sort of in my room, as we all are at the moment. And then I was just thinking, that's one of those things that we've all just grown up with that's been in our lives that you probably hear about once a month, you know, something mm. on the news or one of your mates is doing something or whatever. Um, and I, it came about by... Um, I'm doing a lot of online comedy gigs, which are lovely. Please come to them. But the, there's, a, there's a comedy gig called The COVID Arms, like an online pub. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's run by Kiri Pritchard-McLean, who's a great comedian. And she was posting about how they'd broken the Guinness World Record for most attendees to an online pub at the weekend. Wow. Congrats. <laughs> and I was like, why do we just all accept that Guinness World Records is a thing? <laughs> um, because it's very, very strange. And I delved down the hole of how it came about today. And all I can say is it started in Ireland with a man trying to shoot a bird, and along its initial story, an assassination by the IRA. Bloody hell. <laughs> what? Oh, you sing the song of my people, Alex Haddow. I'm really excited. I've yeah. never heard this before. Um, yeah, and I honestly, I mean, if you'd have asked me to think about it for more than one second, I would have thought, oh yeah, it's probably associated with Guinness. But actually in my head, I just thought maybe that was, a, you know, a Guinness as the surname, which obviously the, the, the stout is, but yeah. I just thought maybe that was a different... Guinness family or yeah it's a bit like um the Michelin guide for restaurants is literally associated with Michelin tires yeah which is the least sexy restaurant yes right exactly very very odd um and it, it came about because I mean the first line of the history section of the Guinness World Records on Wikipedia I'm just gonna read it word for word the first sentence okay 
On the 10th of November 1951, Sir Hugh Beaver, the then managing director of Guinness Breweries, went on a shooting party in the North Slob by the River Slaney <laughs> in County Wexford in Ireland. After okay. missing a shot at a golden plover, he became involved in an argument over which was the fastest game bird in Europe. <laughs> this is wow. such a specific I mean, story. Is it not just the weirdest? Anyway. You had me at North Slob. I was done. North Slob. Which I had to look at. at. And North Slob is an area of mud flats of the estuary of the River Slady in Ireland, in Wexford, in Ireland. God, you're Um, absolutely schooling me, mate, here, in Irish knowledge. Honestly, like, absolutely. So, obviously, also, the managing director of Guinness in the 50s was Sir Hugh Beaver, which, you know, is just... (laughs) Insane. Well, that's the thing about Guinness, isn't it? Is that they wouldn't hire any Catholics for a long time. Yeah. So they kind of, all of their employees were kind of British or of the British ascendancy, you know? Well, so it's kind of all very yeah. awfully, awfully. That makes sense with how the story develops, Caroline, because... <laughs> <laughs> uh, so basically, he was on this shoot, Sir Hugh Beaver. Yeah. He was shooting game birds. He was shooting uh, the golden plover and missed it because he said it was very fast. Uh, and he said it was the fastest game bird in Europe, and people disagreed as they did back in the day. Um, mm. So, and he was like, "Hang on, there's nothing to check what the fastest game bird in Europe is," <laughs> because obviously Wikipedia didn't exist back then. So he he started this book, which was originally called the Book of Guinness Superlatives, um, because you know it's like biggest, fastest, longest, greatest, whatever. Um, yeah, nice. Yeah. Uh, to, to and it was originally to and I quote, stop arguments in the pub. So it was basically like... <laughs> no blame. Of, yeah, it was sort of like an encyclopedia, but of basically things Use that... Use crap. Yes, exactly, exactly. Like That's some, just like this podcast. Exactly. Yeah. We're basically wow. the Guinness of 2020. Yeah, and, and just as popular and uh, known to the public. Of course. <laughs> yeah, we, we are also the, the highest selling book in the world. <laughs> Hey, somebody did approach us about writing a book once, and if we'd done it, yeah, who knows? <laughs> we who knows? We may have been That's the highest story. book in the world. Yeah, <laughs> um, but we got a couple of free glasses of wine out of that, didn't we? So we did, in a way, yeah. success. Mm-hmm. It was a very uh, exciting week for us. Yes, exactly. Um, so basically, what happened was Sir Hugh, Sir Hugh Beaver. Uh, spoke to another employee who was called Christopher Chataway. All these were like Tory ministers and Tory MPs at some point. Then they all worked for Guinness. Um, Christopher Chataway is also a very um, interesting chap, very sort of uh, old boys club. Um, and he recommended two of, uh, two guys he'd gone to university with who were twins. Basically, I keep thinking like this is the old school version of the social network. Yes. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, yes. The, the, what are those twins called again? The Vander... Um, so these twins were called Norris and Ross McWhorter, okay? And they ran a fact-finding agency in London. So then they were kind of commissioned to make um, the first ever Guinness Book of Records in 1954. Um, and it was only a 1,000 copies, and they were given away. They had an office on Fleet Street, because you could just do that without selling anything back in the day. Oh, sure, yeah. Then they did sort of a proper one the year after, like a sort of a bound, proper book edition um, the year after, and it went straight to the top of the bestseller list. So they were like shit then they launched it in the u.s sold a shitload so it's like going you know it was getting huge basically 
and uh, it's now sold more than 100 million copies in 100 different countries and 37 languages. Wow. And it's just genius as well, because not only is it like a bestseller, but they have a new one like every year, don't they? Yes, they do. So both the brothers uh, had like an encyclopedic sort of knowledge of like memory and knowledge of everything. They were both boffs, basically, both two absolute boffs. Um, And they had the uh, they were on a TV show called Record Breakers, which was still going when I was growing up and was presented by Roy Castle. Don't know if anyone else remembers that. It might just, it might you just be You are a fucking encyclopedia of like forgotten British celebrities. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. You are um, going to be on like one of those like VH1 shows one day being like, oh, the 100 best moments of British yeah, TV yeah, yeah. talking heads. And of course, when Roy Castle came on. Yeah, <laughs> if anyone's listening, I will fully be up for that. Um <laughs> But yeah, so basically that the TV programme sort of accompany the book started way back in the day with the McWhirters. Um, and I was just reading this like, oh, wow, can't believe that TV show was going on so long ago and only ended in 2001. That was, you know, a really long running thing. And then the next sentence is like, Ross McWhirter was then assassinated by the IRA in 1975. What? Wow. <laughs> and I was like, hang on. Um, but basically, he was a real nasty bastard. Um, he was very racist to your people, Caroline. And uh, I don't want to get too deep into the sort of inner workings of the IRA on this podcast. But um, yeah, he was he he was assassinated outside his home in London, like at point blank range, because he basically tried to like make Irish people sort of register for for everything and sort of keep tabs on where they were so oh. if, they, if they yeah it was just like really like what year was this in the 70s when the troubles were massively undergone underway yeah so he was assassinated in 1975 and he uh he advocated like really um quite strict sort of restrictions on irish people in britain like they all had to register with the local police in his view <laughs> Oh my god! Wow. Yeah, like That's really, awful. really, really horrible. Stuff. Oh, I'm um, sorry, but the IRA might have been onto something with that one. Well, yeah, and then he offered like loads of money for rewards on any um, like high profile sort of crimes committed by the IRA and stuff like that. And then it, it like and he knew he could be a target, but then like yes, it did happen. Um, and then just to just to rub salt in the wound, his twin brother just carried on doing record breakers, and they just renamed the segment. <laughs> Oh wow! Um, these were all the, wow. they were all Tories as well. Just like not relevant. Just saying it. Um, Thing is, you put me in a difficult position now because like you don't want you don't want to cheer the IRA because nobody should be murdered, and I want to make that clear. But also, you know, if you have to murder someone, no. But I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> if tensions are rising and you're being extremely racist to a group of people who are known for taking retribution, like you know, maybe just don't be so. <laughs> so fast and loose you know (laughs) exactly exactly yeah so him and his twin brother also founded um a political party called the freedom association it's just a very and basically it it sort of led to like ukip it's a whole they're not good eggs basically is what but but you can't fault their memories and that's what counts (laughs) (laughs) um I thought that maybe because um, Gavin Day is in the next room and he was actually involved in the creating of a Guinness World Record and maybe we could get him in to tell a story. <gasps> oh, wow. yeah, do it. Yes, guest, 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 guest. Yeah, a surprise guest. Da, da, da. Okay, he's here, guys. I texted him from the other room and he's here. <laughs> Hi. I'm going to give him my headphones so I won't be able to hear anything, but uh, he's coming in now. Hello, Gavin Day. Hi, who am I talking to? <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, it's the dumb women. All right. I don't know. Oh, yeah, I'm just in the other women. room. I'm just, I don't, I don't know who I'm talking to. Hi, Hello. guys. Hi. You were Hello, talking Gavin about Day. a record that I didn't break. Yes, Oh, please. you didn't break it. What did you do? Or oh, didn't... Didn't, you don't know the story. I've just no. given it away. Okay, so we had to go to Kilburn Swimming Pool. How? Hang on. How old? How old were you? Set the scene. I was an adult. I was fully adult. Oh, it was, okay. <laughs> I wasn't. A, this is fairly recent. How Very often recent. does any adult ever have to go to a swimming pool? Um, I think I swim in a swimming pool maybe once a year, and this was my annual visit. And okay, it, we saw a poster. This was about seven years ago, six seven years ago. So I was twenty five. And we saw a poster near Kilburn Swimming Pool with the big Guinness World Records logo. And I was like, we're having some of that. And it said, most people treading water in the same place at the same time. Come down here oh on God, this day and we'll let you in. There were flyers all over the postcode for like three months. Great. So I was like, oh, this is sick. We're going to go down there. So we got like five of our friends to all go down there. It was about half nine in the morning, which is the first mistake they made. Um, it, was, <laughs> it was raining that day. And we all went down and we all sort of got given our little badges and someone gave us a pep talk. And they went, right, come to the changing room, guys. It was obviously absolutely humming with people. So there were just mm. bags everywhere, kids screaming, watches just being left on the floor and people treading <laughs> tissue into the edges. And I was like, this doesn't feel good. I don't oh, want to be no. the, This doesn't feel like a world record. This isn't the best it should get, really. Uh, it was pretty gross. It was just that horrible Kilburn swimming pool smell. So we all oh. went out. Everyone's wearing their like half nine in the morning swimming swimming gear. Yeah. We all get in the pool and I look around and I'm thinking, this doesn't look like that many people. Mm, oh no. <laughs> so someone said, <laughs> so I heard this one kid shout out, wow, have we got a beat? What's the record? Have we got a beat? And someone was like, <laughs> like 700 people. And I was like, that's shit. How are you going to fit that in a swimming pool? But I was looking around, I was like, there were gaps everywhere. I was like, I thought it was going to be like sardines. I thought it was going to be like humming, like something from like, like a gif that you see online. Like, oh, yeah. it's dangerous. Yeah. But it wasn't dangerous. It was just a pleasant in, um, morning. China, like a isn't it? bubble bath. Yeah, yeah. One of those wave pools. Mm. Uh, so we all get in the pool and they're like, right, tread water. And I'm oh, like, oh, oh, how long have we got to do it for? They're like, a minute. And I was like, this doesn't, this doesn't look like the right amount of people. And anyway, turns out we were shy by about 300 people. Oh, <laughs> oh no. That's, oh, so it's like, that's the only thing that could make it sadder is the fact that you didn't get it. Yeah, but it's like, a, it's not a record. It's just basically, it's a record for like bad advertising. Because you, if you'd put more flyers out, you probably would have broken it. But it's just yeah, bad yeah. PR. The PR person fucked up. So that's the only thing that stood between us and a record. I like that they still tried. They must have known by then that they didn't have enough people. Yeah. And, but they still yeah. tried. But there were loads of kids there. I mean, I, I wanted to leave instantly. Yeah, but, of uh, course. All the kids were just going for it. We still got our certificates saying that we broke the record because they'd already pre-printed them. <laughs> they thought, well, we're not going <laughs> to oh, chuck no. them away. <laughs> they had a guy come down who was on the British Olympic swimming team. Who was seriously oh, fit? I was like, oh, this guy's he's proper hot. He's yeah. obviously like ridiculously in shape. So I was with a couple of mates. They both were cracking on with him. Uh, sure. And one of my mates ended up getting his number. So wow, if amazing. nothing else, she got a shag with an Olympian. Well, that's a lovely end to the story, actually. In the end. Like, you didn't break the record, sure, but somebody broke their hymen. <laughs> I was I was going to let you fill that word in whatever you said there I wasn't, I wasn't going to pretend to know things somebody broke their shagging an Olympian virginity yeah I've um, I, who amongst us doesn't want to shag an Olympian well quite Gavin that was an excellent story that was a wonderful story what is this episode about Guinness, Guinness World Records oh very good yeah very good 
My uh, my uncle used to buy me that annual for Christmas every year. There you go. Was like he was so quirky and interesting. Then I realized it was just a bog standard present. But I wasn't like eleven. Yeah, he got out. the works. Aww. Yeah, he was. It was the, yeah. one of those uncles that always comes up to you while you're telling a story, and he'll stop you mid story, and he go, "Gaff, Gaff, Gaff, what is a scientific name for a great white shock?" And you're like, um, I don't know. He's like, "Let me stop you there." It's Carcarid and Carcarius. And I still remember that. that that's true. Wow. That is literally. Yeah. What about a wolf? Dave should be a guest Lu- on the podcast. Lupus, lupus. Lutra, lutra is an otter. I know all this shit because of my uncle and his like, Guinness World Records obsession. So thank you, Oh Dave. my God. Did he have links Shout to the IRA? To uh, he just read a lot of Stephen King and was a bit of a shut-in. Oh, uh, okay. Fine. <laughs> still is? He st- still is. Coronavirus has changed his life not at all. Still going strong. <laughs> Well, God love Gavin's uncle. He would be the dumb man. I've, yeah, I, thank you. It's an honour. <laughs> Hello again, guys. That was a great That call. was so good. <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm sorry I uh, bamboozled your section, Alex, but I just suddenly remembered and had to text him to come in. No, that's actually fine because it brings me to the last section, which is just the fact that Guinness started as this thing of like, oh, I wonder what the biggest species of this is or whatever. And now it is just the most niche, silly records. That p- the only reason people ever use a Guinness World Record these days is as a PR stunt, isn't it? It's yeah. Like, you yes, know, yeah. Pepperami, you know, most uh, like are, are sponsoring their own thing. Like basically you have to pay to put your own record idea in. And that's how they make their money these days because obviously people don't buy the annuals as much anymore. Mm, but yeah. then it was like, basically there's this whole other section um, that I was reading about them today about how like various governments just started paying them to like do sort of weird PR for different countries. And then everyone had oh, to step no. in and be like, oh, that's not really cool. Like, <laughs> What countries? It was, I want to say, hang on, let me just find the link. The uh, president of Turkmenistan paid Guinness for a number of world records earned by the government of Turkmenistan. (laughs) (laughs) And and has bragged about the records set by Turkmenistan. (laughs) Um, So it's basically sort of, they were saying they shouldn't get involved, you know, governments shouldn't be paying for Yeah, that's a bit weird, isn't it? But also, where's the cutoff? Because I'm sure our government could have, like, a... I don't know, the most number of people called Boris as Prime Minister. Yeah, exactly. Well, record. that's the thing. Like, basically, like, they can they can reject it, but I guess it's kind of like... It's basically just a very silly thing now, but they must be... They're still making money, basically, because, you know, they charge, they charge you to enter, essentially. But, I mean, some of the weirdest... I'll end this section on some of the weirdest records that actually exist in the book. Uh, furthest arrow shot using someone's feet. I mean, do you know what I mean? Wow. What? But the only reason you would do that is to get a world record, right? Exa- that's, exactly. That's kind it's of like, eating itself. It, it, it's exactly that. So it's so pointless now. Like most most toothpicks in a beard, 3,500. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the great blessing of the Guinness World Records is that um, the visual images it conjures in your brain. Yes. Like, it's most, just like... Tricks, most tricks performed by a pig in one minute. <laughs> A determined, speedy pig. Yeah, it's just you know like I mean? puts what? weird ideas into your brain that shouldn't be there and just tickles you. You don't actually need to see pictures or any footage. You're just like, mm, hmm, that yeah. sounds funny. Longest hair on a teenager. I mean, these sound like Goosebumps books, don't they? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> shortest <laughs> living horse. What? <laughs> shortest. Li- what are the shortest dead horses? Oh. Well, exactly. Smallest bull. Uh, Fine. Largest guitar amp. I mean... Who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah. um, if you if you think you were um, going to like break a Guinness World Records without really trying, which one do you think you'd go for? 
Like, which, what do you think is so natural Ooh. to you anyway that you could break it? Do you know it? what? Maybe longest wee. I have I have quite long Ooh, wees. Sometimes. Very nice, yeah. I reckon I could do that and I drink a lot of water. Longest wee. Yeah. You really push out every drop. <laughs> I think I could do most times secretly passing wind in one office shift. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh, actually, my one is kind of an inversion of um, Hannah's one, which is quickest poo. Oh, very good. <laughs> because I really wait until everyone's formed an orderly queue in my bowel. And um, it's all just out in a minute and then I'm back in. And everyone thinks I've only done a wee, but actually nice. I've done a poo. <laughs> mm. Secret pooer. I like how ours are all just bodily functions. They always are. What is with this podcast? Girl bums. Yeah. Always, we're very scatological, aren't we? Yeah. Well, I'll get in touch with Guinness and we can pay them three grand to ascertain that, in fact, yes, we are the most scatological podcast. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. quite like yourself today you look like something i like but that my nan would buy and then just get a bit wrong oh i'm the uncanny valley of things that you have in your house hannah i'm fake flowers oh they are very nan like aren't they they are it's you know i find them so fascinating um because first of all like there's no doubt about that like there's a lot of like green thumb snobbery going on around the coronavirus am i right Yes, yes very much like, I, I don't have a garden. I've got a balcony and I am getting growingly, like, ins- insecure by the fact that I'm the only balcony that doesn't have, like, loads of, like, potted plants and, like, a fake Buddha out there. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. all the garden centres are closed, so it's too late to get into gardening. So I was like, geez, why, why don't we get some fake stuff out there so it's less depressing and it isn't just, like, a toilet for our dog? Oh, and nice, yeah. But then I was just like, oh, it's weird and tacky, isn't it? And then it just got me thinking in general, like... Why are fake flowers? Why do we have so many weird little social rules around them? Like, I think we're all agreed that they're okay in big office buildings. But if someone were to, like, give you a dozen long stem fake roses, you would call the police. 
Yes, yes absolutely. That's so weird. I have a friend whose um, housemate's mum gave them a bunch of fake flowers uh, when they moved into the flat, and then she just <laughs> had to live with them, like for about three years. Yeah. But if they are, if they're good fake ones, they look real. They weren't. Oh, yeah. The thing is, when you say, I mean, this is, uh, this is my slight internalized misogyny speaking, but when I imagine the kind of fake flowers a woman of a certain age and disposition buys i'm imagining like cherry blossoms and they're made of that really tatty kind of satiny silk yeah 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 and there's like generally like one or two sitting in like a white vase or something and they're really obvious and there's just something about them that makes you slightly ill at ease if they're in someone's home it's the dust maybe it is dust yeah, I think it is the dust. Cause that's, so, like, I, I looked into it a bit because I just think it's, like, a weird thing that we've had them around for so long, but we have so many rules about them in our heads that don't, we can't really explain. Mm. And, like, for years and years and years, they were this big thing, especially for Victorian ladies, of, like, wearing fake flowers on your outfits and on your hats and on your bonnets and stuff. And, like, we all read a book from the past, and there's all the thing about, like, the, the London season in like Victorian England about like, oh, there's like, the season. I have no idea what, the, I've read so many books that were set in and around the season. <laughs> Where it's just like, point. oh. Which season is it? Yeah, spring, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, yeah what is, what summer? Is the, season? Uh, the season, according to like Georgette Hare books I've read or whatever, is like a lonely, weird old aunt takes her weird niece to London for anywhere between two weeks and six months and puts puts her in some outfits which have fake flowers on them uh, and brings her to various drawing rooms and she eventually meets the people who will later be her friends. And they go to dances. And they go to dances. That's all I know about the season. The season confuses me. But, but those flowers must have been uh, like made of fabric, right? Because they wouldn't have been doing plastic flowers back then. Exactly. Yeah, and like they were really like specific and very highly skilled job that like lots of people did. And the kind of the season <laughs> kind of revolved around the production. Yeah, the production like year round of these fake flowers, and like they had to like make them look so so realistic, and like the this fabric would be put into these moulds that they're like moulds of flowers that would have all the kind of you know the veins on the petals and the slight kind of wilting it would all all be the pictures of them are so cool they're like these big cast iron things that are in the shape of these very fragile flowers and you like put the fabric in there and you like hammer them and then you have to like cut around those folds and then you have to like Oh, it's so many. Like, I was reading all the different stage processes and I was just getting absolutely knackered reading about it (laughs) and um it would like take years and years to like train somebody how to do this properly and then she would go get married and it was just like Um. it was this real crisis because like there was like the because more in the Victorian period more and more people were like it was like an emerging middle class and more and more people were kind of trying to imitate like it used to be like something that only very noble women did but then as more and more people started getting more and more money more people were imitating that kind of fashion it's when you kind of start having that thing of like ordinary people getting to buy extraordinary things yeah and so like like happens in every kind of society the kind of level of workmanship gets less and less sort of like precious and then it starts becoming this big child sweatshop labor thing yeah because kids have like the very small hands and so they're good for delicate work and it just like becomes very depressing really quickly oh There's, no it's Why really is it bad 
I know it's so sad <laughs> and like you, you, there's all these pictures on like the VNA's website of all these like tiny malnourished children in like their slum houses like folding flowers together for these oh. for oh this, like, never ending demand of like silk flowers but you know anyway <laughs> maybe that's why they're looked down on because real flowers do die <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, and that's completely. okay yeah so then the first world war comes along and you know the kind of outfits get less and less ostentatious and like mm. women have to get jobs now I guess so their their outfits become very streamlined and then the fake flowers just like go away for ages which is good I, I guess but then in the second world war they basically invent new ways of creating plastic. Like, they create this thing during the Second World War called polyphylene, which was used as, like, insulation for radar sets in, like, submarines. But they also found out that they were good for making flowers. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> I was literally... I thought you were about to say, when the Second World War hit, they found new ways of making flowers. And I was like, no wonder it took so bloody long. Why are we focusing on that? <laughs> <laughs> just like ammunitions department budgeted 20 billion yeah <laughs> department 15 billion <laughs> what did you do in the war granddad well i made fake peonies that's how i met your really grandmother boy spirits up <laughs> yeah and um yeah so they they invented this new material called polythylene which was kind of a, a dense wax, wax that was really moldable and then so in the post-war period um people started getting like more and more fake flowers because they started looking more and more real and they were easier to produce and so it wasn't like dependent on sweatshop labor and in general like I find it really kind of interesting like in the 50s and 60s that whole post-war period it's kind of similar to the Victorian age again because like it's like a lot of people getting a lot of money really quickly and like they're being like a bigger and bigger middle class mm. yeah so like yeah, yeah. people get really into like these weird displays of wealth they get really into their own lawns they get really into like flamingos and garden gnomes and all kind of just having stuff in your garden mm. you know what it's really weird that you say that because uh today my friend roddy who has been on this podcast uh as the batman in the Bat episode. batman yes. one of our best ever um, guests he i will put i'll put the video with his permission on our instagram when this goes out but um he wanted a, a fake palm tree and a flamingo and stuff to make his balcony into a sort of tiki bar during lockdown. Um, and he ordered a giant inflatable palm tree, which came. And then the, the flamingo came and he thought it was obviously going to be human size. And it was like three inches tall. <laughs> oh, Roddy. <laughs> He's been stung by the Amazon curse where you haven't looked at the dimensions. Oh, and you're like, that's... oh wow, there's only six pounds. Great. <laughs> but that's the thing, because like a, a big, a plastic flamingo is not something you would ever think of buying. So you have no sort of internal sense of how expensive or cheap yeah, it should exactly. be. You're like, yeah. six pounds, yeah. that's seems about right (laughs) (laughs) so i find it really weird in the 50s the way that like people start bringing fake bullshit outside so they've got like garden gnomes and plastic flamingos and stuff and they start bringing other fake bullshit inside so like artificial flowers inside their homes and stuff okay and like it's 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 become such it became such a big thing that there was like a huge i read it it was printed in 1963 this huge New York Times expose on fake flowers. And like, apparently it becomes so popular so quickly that most Americans didn't even know when they were looking at a fake flower or not. And it was like, the tone with which this entire article is written is very like, that begonia in your dentist's office, that's fake too. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like very much this tone of like, you're being lied to. And um, 
it's it's really I find it really really weird and interesting because it's also the thing that happens in that, in that kind of time period of like offices the office culture goes from it being like oh this is like Mr. Smith and he's a solicitor and he's got like another solicitor and a secretary and that's his whole office and like that kind of family run business thing like kind of Scrooge and Cratchit to like these huge huge offices that are like 600 people where like that's kind of happening for the first time people are doing sort of like desk work on a mass Mm. scale so they're like creating those huge office spaces for the first time and like obviously no one's thinking about like the mental or physical health of the people in these offices they're just thinking of like okay what's the most economical way we can just have this and like also be able to like bring clients in and not it look terrible so it's just like the same fake plants on every kind of floor you know and it's like it's kind of adds to this kind of oppressive office atmosphere that sort of began the 1950s and has become sort of like the kind of trope for how we talk about offices yeah wow yeah but then there's this thing where it's like do you guys know of the singer bobby darren he's like that 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 lounge singer he's like somewhere beyond the sea oh okay one of those guys yeah, it's very much like man in a tuxedo walking around the stage at people as they're having dinner. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, amazing. Which I've had to do a gig sometimes, and it's honestly the worst thing you can Have you done dinner thing. dates like that? I've done um, a few gigs where, like, people are sort of doing another thing, and then they'd be like, okay, so, and you'll just be telling jokes in the corner. And my friend James once had to do a gig where he was literally walking around to people's tables telling jokes, and it was the worst night of his life. Oh, like oh a magician God. or something. Yeah, basically. But like with just oh. jokes on their own, which doesn't work. So <laughs> No, the, basically the only form of like dinner time entertainment that works is kind of singing, right? Yes, exactly. So this, that's totally off the beaten track, but like, so Bobby Darren had this song called Artificial Flowers that came out in 1960, which was just like at the peak of this boom. And it's like the song that came out about the Victorian era, and it's uh, it's the honestly, I urge you all to look it up. It is the creepiest song I have ever heard. Oh, is that what inspired the section? <laughs> well, I, I kind of I stumbled into this later in the section when I was kind of trying to find like what. Okay, so we've got these two huge periods of like economic booms where fake flowers have become like the Victorian period and the sort of nineteen fifties post war period where fake flowers become really huge. You've got this one song that's linking both of them. That's kind of about both eras. And I started listening to the song and I got so creeped out. I had to close my laptop slowly. (laughs) (laughs) And the song goes, I'm not going to sing the whole thing because that would be awkward and embarrassing, but it's like, no more artificial flowers for society ladies to wear. No more artificial flowers fashion from Annie's despair. And it's about like a child who makes flowers until she dies. Whoa. <laughs> Why? The mo- <laughs> Why did he write that? He wrote it for like a musical, but then it became like a hit on its own. And it, it's like... It's almost like it become this weird comment about the Victorian era, but it was also like about the era they were currently in of like people just like mindlessly working at these like rubbishy bits of shit so other people could enjoy themselves. Yeah. And it sort of like sums up the two eras. And it's like this thing of like they're coming out of this post-war era where, and this is kind of like a theory that's been bashed around a lot by people of like, 
They come out of this post-war area and nobody wants to be reminded of death. So it's just like every single home is just covered in these things. And then weirdly, and that sounds like kind of a vague theory, weirdly in like the early noughties, like I was reading this on apartment therapy, especially in America, fake flowers come back again and fake fruit comes back again. Fake fruit? In like 2002. Yeah. Yeah. Like, according to apartment therapy, it was, like, this huge boom in, like, catalogs and stuff like that where, like, fake fruit was coming back. And so it's, like, this weird thing of, like, when people are in these periods of, like, economic distress and also, like, national mourning, they get really into fake flowers because they never fade and they never die and you don't need to look after them and they're kind of pretty but they're hollow and soulless It just really freaks me out. So does that mean that we're going to have a big fake flower and fake fruit comeback now? This is the thing. So on Refinery29, literally in the last couple of months, they have been saying that uh, fake fake stuff is having a huge comeback for millennials. And I also think that, like, I think millennials are slightly uncomfortable about fake flowers. But I think we do love succulents. And I yes. think oh yes I oh, killed yeah. the one you got me for my birthday last year Caroline I forgot to tell you oh did you how did you do that they're so unkillable <laughs> no, they are unkillable know. even I haven't killed any maybe I overwatered it maybe I underwatered it we'll never know there's no way of knowing but it's like succulents and and like um terrariums have become their own kind of fake flower even though they're not it's like you way it's like a way of having something in your house that reminds you of life even you, mm. though you don't have to do anything to maintain it. And also, if you have a, a flat or something that's, like, not great for light, because, you know, light's for rich people, then yeah. um, then actually having a fake plant is kind of nice. And also, you know, like, uh, like in my flat, our bathroom doesn't have any windows because it's one of those, like, weird internal ones that just has one extractor fan that has to work really yeah, hard. Yeah, same with us. It's like a horrible jungle in there. I hate it. Yeah, but actually if you put, like, a fake plant in there, which I haven't done yet, but I should do, then it would look so much nicer because the, the greenery just, like, does something to your brain, doesn't it? Where it's just like, tick, that's nice. I'm having a nice time now because there's something green in the room. Yeah, I guess it yeah, does. I- that's how I feel. I have to do that because honestly, my bathroom is the most depressing room in my house and I have a, re- a house of depressing rooms. <laughs> <laughs> but do you guys think it's weird the way that like, like, okay, so in the 80s and in the, apparently the early noughties, fake fruit kind of came in bowls, you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, sort of both, came my, back. my nan had them as well. Yeah, my grandma had that. That's such a weird thing. But now we don't really have that anymore. But what we do have is like jars of granola and jars of things. So it's like replaced it as the display item. Yeah. Yeah. Like, do you yeah. not think it's weird how much we're into displaying our food? It's like, oh, look, we're like, we're, we're definitely real people. <laughs> we're very relatable. We're very real. We have food. It's in a jar. Look at my food in my jar. I think it's because we're all trying to pretend that we live in some kind of farmhouse when really we live on a ca- in a council house in zone two. <laughs> Yeah, so that's, we're all that's like, it, isn't it? Look at my jam jars, but they're full of other stuff. But I very look at my exposed beams. Everyone yes. wants an exposed beam that I've painted <laughs> on. <laughs> I know. I, yeah. I have no grand point other than the many little points I've made. But I just think flank fig flowers are weird and intriguing, and that song will haunt me until my death. I feel like I'm going to be freaked. Yeah, you will. It's like it's like the song equivalent of a doll moving in an attic. <laughs> That's how creepy it is. So 
now it's time for our smart lesson to round off the podcast. Um, And of course, since we gained the right to vote in 1919, it has been a smart woman's duty to be involved in politics, whether or not they have anything sensible to say. So with that in mind, we've put together a list of options uh, for the government for how to come out of lockdown. Oh, great, that's really handy. That's yeah. really good. that's really good of you, Hannah. Yeah, thank you. It's you know I I do my duty and I try not to uh, let it affect me in terms of my ego. Yeah, we well, did a really good job. Thank you. So the first thing um, I would say, there's a lot of people online suggesting that we let women out first because COVID seems to affect men more than women. I say uh, let the kids out first, see how they get on the smug bastards. They're going to have to start paying for stuff. Oh, yeah. Lovely idea. I can't count the amount of times that I've been out with like my nephew or my niece or something. And it's time the bill comes around and they're just patting their pockets. Yes, exactly. (laughs) They never cough up. Never. It's yeah. rude. And they're always saying, oh, I'm a big girl. I'm a big boy. Fine. Prove it. Prove you know I mean? it. Go and do the big yeah. shot. Yeah, yeah. Pay the council tax. Yeah. See how you like it. Um, going on from that, you could use kids as envoys doing all the shopping, trips to the pub and all that kind of stuff. Um, if you don't have a child, I think you could be assigned a local one. Yes. Um, and they would just have to do your bidding. I wouldn't mind that. Good. That's fine. Like a sort of like a demon from the His Dark Materials series, but a child. Oh, very that. Yeah. And they sort of take shape depending on your mood. Yes. Yes. I have a question about children. Um, how old is too old for a child to write their age after a drawing? <laughs> oh, that's a very good question. I yeah. would say anything over 10. That's yeah, exactly I what 10. I said. Yeah, 10. Okay, how old is too old to have your age and then fractions after it? Oh, like Ooh, three. I think you, you're going around five, six there. Oh, fair. Oh, oh three, you say? Three? Uh, no one knows what a fraction is when you're three. No, but they always say, like, I'm three and a half. Piss off, I don't care, you're three. <laughs> I would say six. Because the thing about three is that, like, oh, it's so hard to keep them alive that you kind of want to give that to the parents. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like, <laughs> oh, oh wow, well, you, you, you kept yeah. it alive for three years and seven months. And uh, you could have okay, yeah. walked into a train at any point. That's true. All right, I'll, I'll give you that. Well, let's say six. Six. That's okay. the official one. Six is the cutoff. I like yeah. how none of us have children, by the way, and we're just like <laughs> making these rules. Hannah, please don't assume I might have had a child in lockdown. Oh, sorry. Yes, you can. Yeah, you haven't seen me in a while. You don't know. <laughs> um, so I think we should give each other all a score on how annoying that we've been during lockdown, because I honestly don't think this behavior should be forgiven or forgotten. <laughs> like if you bought a guitar and you're playing it on the balcony... You should get an extra few days, I think, on yeah, the lockdown. Yeah, that's absolutely oh, fair. Oh, God. Wonderwall, is it? Yeah, Wonderwall. <laughs> yeah. Oh, great. You've learned three chords. Well done. Yeah. And also, I think if you're doing Joe Wicks more than three times, right? Everyone needs to do a Joe Wicks a few times because, you know, it's a national hobby. But if you live <laughs> above people and you're doing a Joe Wicks every day at lunchtime, get a grip. Mm. I haven't done a joe wicks or tuned in or done anything because him saying even the smallest word fills me with rage so i can't do it <laughs> even the smallest word <laughs> even if he just said hi i think i'd just be like oh go away you manifestation of hinge you know <laughs> a manifestation of hinge <laughs> i just it's not for me um okay i've got a good one if you posted a picture of your banana bread or your baking and you got less than 20 likes, you're allowed to leave isolation first as a sort of sort of prize, sort of a consolation, sort of a like, oh, you tried, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. 
I like that. And I think as well, if you haven't posted online about productivity, whether it's for or against productivity in these times, you get like an early bird ticket out as well. Yeah. Um, and then maybe like free popcorn at cinema. Oh, lovely. Um, I've My friend, uh, I think I've already mentioned him on this podcast, my friend Roddy. Uh, he, Roddy Batman. Roddy Batman. He has come up with some uh, rules about the rules. So he says at the moment, because we're in lockdown, the rules are off. So like, you want to have ice cream for breakfast? The rules are off. Okay, just yeah. do what you want. Do mm-hmm. what you need to get by. Lovely. And then when we go back to normality, the rules are still off for the next 10 to 14 business days. Okay, so like we're still, yeah, you know, we're okay. still, there's an adjustment period. Then after that, all the rules are back on. But the only rule that we've added in is that you can't say no to anything anyone suggests. So, <laughs> oh, very you know, good. if you want to go on holiday here, you have to say yes. Like, do you want to do a weekend in Romania? You know, yes. Uh, you don't want to go to this restaurant previously you hated. You have to say yes, I'm afraid. Yeah, there's no know. more complaining about going to a hen night or whatever after for this no. for at least a oh, year. I'd love to go to a hen do. Yeah. Oh, I would exactly. go to a stranger's hen do now, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're available for strangers' hen do's after this. <laughs> Also, I truly think that it should be the law after we get out of this that if you're going to the pub, you know, like on Instagram stories, your close friends thing. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. You put like everyone you've ever gone to the pub with and even slightly enjoyed it. Like yeah. they don't even have to have made you laugh there. Just whether they, they have to be like slight an inoffensive pub companion. Yes. And they go into your close friends category and you put you literally put where you're going what time you're going to be there? I'm going to be the Farrier Arms, Farrier Arms at 8 p.m. Come if you fancy it, and and just like everyone goes to the pub. Yes, that yes. is such a good law. Because I am so I honestly and genuinely stressed out about when the pubs open again. People not inviting me to the pub because I feel like I've been a yes. freelancer for so long that I don't like do a lot of like oh going straight from work to the pub sort of things, and that like people forget that I also love the pub. I don't think people won't invite you to the pub because I will be with you a lot and I will be going to the pub a lot and so therefore you will be going to the pub a lot. If I see you even once at the pub on Instagram without me there, I'll be I'm going to do pissed. the Caroline Claxon, which is the Caroline's Law, on Instagram every single time I go to the pub. Oh, so, great. The Caroline yes. Claxon. I'm so glad that we're naming it. <laughs> yeah. Because Caroline's taking a hit as a name this year and we need to, you know... Bring that back. Take the joie de vivre back into Caroline. Yes. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, I just have one more suggestion for the government, which is that obviously there's going to be a backlog of haircuts um, when we come out of isolation. Apart from those who have cut their own hair, who will also probably still need a haircut to tidy it up yeah. and stuff. Um, and what we should do is a human centipede of haircuts, right? So we should have everyone who needs a haircut in a big queue uh, yes. outside the barbers. And then you just sort of look at what the person in front is doing. Like at the front, you've got the hairdresser. One person gets an actual haircut. And then everyone else just looks at what the person in front is doing and um, does does that to the person in front of them. Oh, Perfect. yeah, very good. Sort of like a Chinese whisper of a haircut in that the one at the back will get something not resembling anything the one that the professional has done. Yes. Good. I'm on board That's good. And that way we'll all have shit hair. And yes. it'll be like, do you know how like in Amsterdam, everybody has a shit bike. So there's no like competitiveness <laughs> yeah. over like, oh, men in the yes. racing bikes. It'll be like that, but with hair. And we'll all just have shit hair for a year together. Exactly. Yes, in the exactly. land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. There's no yeah, such like thing as shit hair in the new world. <laughs> God, I'm so relaxed by it already. I've, I mean, I have ordered my own bleach online. So good luck to me. I do think that everyone's going to go back to going to be like in a costume drama when we get out of this because we're all going to be so scared of touching each other all the time that like 
oh, it's yeah. gonna be like very like oh hello lovely to meet you and we're yes. all gonna it's um, like intense eye contact and like flirting in like extremely highfalutin wordy ways oh my god and taking taking your mask off your face will be like showing your ankle yes, yes exactly and like it's gonna be like very Mr. Darcy's house being like oh well I did rather hope you you might accompany me because like men just can't like put their hand on the small of your back anymore to show they want to have sex <laughs> with you I don't know. I reckon all that's well and good until the third drink at the pub on the first day back and then we're all just going to be shagging each other in the toilets for the next 12 oh, yeah. days. Um, and on that note, I think if you did vote Tory in the last election, then uh, you should just not come out of lockdown. You stay inside now. Stay yeah. in. Just have a lovely time by yourself because you think that you created all your own opportunities. So that's fine. Stay there. <laughs> you can create more opportunities for yourself indoors. Indoors. Forever. Good night. That's all for this week. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, you can hear more by searching School for Dumb Women on your favourite podcast app and following us on the usual social media platforms at Dumb Women Pod. You can also hear us on Soho Radio every other Thursday at 6pm. Thank you to Gavin Day for dropping by with his story and for our artwork. Harry Harris for our jingles and Soho Radio Studios for helping us with the remote recording. Stay safe and stay dumb. Bye. Bye, dummies. Bye, dummies. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.